Well, good morning. If you uh, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them to Second Corinthians. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter four. And this morning we are going to look at verses sixteen through eighteen. We'll read this whole section here in just a moment, but we'll focus in on verses sixteen to eighteen. And in this text this morning, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is speaking to a universal problem. He's speaking to a problem that not only we as fellow Christians, as brothers and sisters in the local church have, he's speaking to a problem that most all of us or most every human will encounter in their life. The loss of hope. The giving up of heart. This is a universal problem and we recognize this because there are many of us, maybe many of you today, that are on the verge or creeping up to the edge or maybe have in the past lost heart. I'd venture to say that there's not a one of you that came here today that has suffered from the ailment of being over-encouraged. Most of us, if you're like me, don't walk around on a day-to-day basis going, I hope no one encourages me anymore because I just can't take it. No. No, if you're like me, quite the opposite is probably true in your life. We look at the world and we look at media and we look at social media. We read books and we just see with our own eyes in our community, in our cities, in our workplaces, that our world makes it very easy and gives us a plethora of reasons for us to lose heart. And in our text today, Paul, speaking from a biblical and unique perspective, is going to give us reasons and also the how-to of not losing heart. So let's dive into the text this morning. I want to read for context's sake. Verses 7 through 18 with you, and then we'll pray, and then we're going to press down into God's Word together. This is 2 Corinthians 4, 7, let's read together, 7 through 18. Now we have this treasure in jars of clay, so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, yet not abandoned. We are struck down, yet not destroyed. 
we always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then death is at work at us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and the present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving and increase to God glory. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For this momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen, eternal. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, I pray that through your word and through the power of your spirit this morning, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray that the power of your spirit would be active and that it would open our eyes to see the glory of and the beauty of this text. Lord, may our hearts have confidence that you have given us solid reasons, a firm foundation for why we don't have to lose heart. I pray, Lord, that the Spirit and your Word would minister to us in unique and powerful ways so that our hearts are renewed. And that they sing with confidence. In Jesus' name, amen. The context of our passage this morning finds itself in the midst of Paul explaining the hardship and the rejection from some of the gospel. And despite the gospel being rejected by those who are unbelieving, Paul says that there's been some positives going on. That despite the difficulty, and you can read throughout the whole letter of 2 Corinthians, that despite the difficulty that Paul and his fellow workers have encountered, there is real joy and real treasure to be had. Paul is not wanting to mitigate the difficulty. He's wanting to highlight the power of the gospel and the glory that God gets when people are saved. 
And he comes to the end of this thought and he's wanting to present to them not just a a or not just a truth from the perspective of his ministry and the in the ministry that he's had going on but he is giving them i think a universal as we talked about in the open a universal truth for every christian to take with them so that no matter where they are in life, no matter what is coming at them, no matter what difficulty they endure, Paul's saying, I'm giving you some truth. I'm giving you a foundation so that you do not give up. So that you don't lose heart. He sets out for us the mystery for why you and why I and why every Christian who has ever lived or whoever will live has reasons for not losing heart. The reason, we'll start there, the reason Paul says we do not give up is actually not found in our text Today, it's not found in verses 16 through 18. The, the reasons, right, the foundation is actually found in verses 17 through 15. So let's just lightly scan over those. We're not going to spend a lot of time there. There are numerous sermons that you could go to there. But let's just scan over them because that will give us a running start as we work through 16, 17, and 18. And we know that we need to look back when we're looking at verses 16 through 18. We know that we need to look back because the very first word in 16 is the word therefore. It's drawing a conclusion, right? It's, it, it's, it's drawing a conclusion for us to think about and then it's giving us this answer, right? Therefore, we do not give up. And the reason why we don't give up, Paul says, is, is found starting in verse 7. Look at all of these reasons why we can hold on and not give up. Verse 7, Paul says, Now we have this treasure in jars of clay, so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. Real quick, this treasure is the gospel. It's the light of knowledge in the face of Jesus Christ. And Peter said, or Paul says, sorry, Paul says that it's in jars of clay. We are the jars of clay. We are earthen vessels. This is a little bit of a paradox here in that you don't keep treasure in jars of clay. And yet, that's exactly what God does. He keeps the treasure of the gospel, the light of the knowledge of Jesus Christ in us, right, Paul says. And so it's in jars of clay. And the reason for that is so that we would know that the power of the gospel lies not within ourselves, but is from God. Therefore, we do not give up. Verse 8, Paul says, We are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. Therefore, we do not give up. We are perplexed, but not to the point of despair. Therefore, we do not give up. We are persecuted, yet not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, we do not give up. Verse 10, 
we always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may be displayed. Therefore, we do not give up. Verse 12, so then death is at work in us, but life in you. Paul says, death, death is at work in me and in all of my fellow apostles. Yet life is at work in those of you who we have ministered to for the sake of the gospel. Therefore, do not give up. Verse 14. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Even if our difficulty and hardship, even if the task that God has called us to do brings us to the point of death, Paul says, we know that because God raised Jesus from the dead, He will also raise us from the dead. Therefore, we do not give up. Indeed, the last one, verse 15, Indeed, everything is for your benefit, so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. As the gospel of grace extends to more and more people, more and more people rejoice in thanksgiving. And as more and more people rejoice in thanksgiving, this brings glory to God. Therefore, we do not give up. So the cause for or the reason for us not giving up, brothers and sisters, is found in verses 7 through 15. It's found in the extraordinary power of the gospel. It's found in verses 8 and 9 that God does not abandon His people in their time of need. It's found that as we give ourselves over to the ministry, even to the point of death, the gospel goes forth and increases in its power and its might. It's found in verse 14 that even if we are brought to the point of death in our lives... We have confidence that because God rose Jesus from the grave, He will also raise us. And so we don't give up. That's the grounds. That's the reason. And that in itself is a great message from the Apostle Paul. But he doesn't leave us there, thank goodness. Right? He, he gives us the grounds, He gives us the reasons, but now He's going to show us how. That's why I love Paul. He gives us the foundation and the grounds, and now He's going to show you, here's how you don't give up. It's found in verses, the second half of verse 16 through 18. And the first how, the how-to, we do not give up, if you're taking notes, is this. We do not lose heart. We do not lose heart through the process of daily renewal. Look at the second half of verse 16. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. 
Paul is well aware in his own life and in the life of the, the world in general, Paul is well aware that this world and our bodies are being destroyed. Paul is well aware through the process of him being persecuted, through him being shipwrecked, through him being beaten, through him being stoned to the point of death and thrown out of the city in Acts. Paul is well aware that our bodies are being destroyed. If you've lived long enough and you've aged enough years, you become well aware that your body is being destroyed. You're well aware that you can no longer run as fast as you used to be able to run. You can't wrestle with your children as long, or maybe your grandchildren, as long as you previously did. When you were younger, men, you could put in 12-hour days like they were nothing. And now a 12-hour day nearly kills you. We, as humans, get this, right? Our outer person is being destroyed day by day. It's decaying. But Paul says, even though that's happening, right? He's not saying that suffering's not real. He's not saying that difficulty's not real, right? That's not what he's saying. He's saying that even though that's going on, something else is at work. Right? Our inner person is being renewed. And here's what's the important part. It is being renewed day after day or day by day. In other words, what Paul's saying is that that you need to be renewed every single day. You can't you can't face tomorrow on today's grace or today's power and strength that God has given you. That's why Jesus says in the gospel, let let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. You've got enough difficulty to worry about when? Today. That's why the the writer of Lamentations says that God's mercies are new every morning. The human experience in Christ was designed in a way by God... That we cannot survive one day without His mercy, without His grace. We need it day after day. We can't make it on our own. We can't even make it Sunday to Sunday. So many times in my ministry, I've met people who will say things like, if I can just get to Sunday. And while I love Sundays and I love the gathering of God's people for the Lord's Supper and for singing praises to Him and for hearing His Word preached and for prayer, if you're just relying on the Sunday morning experience for an hour and a half or two hours to get you through the week, you will lose heart. Maybe not this week, maybe not the next week, maybe not three weeks from now or three years from now, but I am telling you, brothers and sisters, that your heart and my heart needs day by day renewal. Our dependence comes 
from God or relies upon God, just as our lungs rely upon air. Try breathing. Try not breathing for a whole day. See how that works out. Right? Just saying that seems ridiculous. But it's even more ridiculous for a Christian to say, I can rely on this day without God's mercy, without God's grace. Our renewal comes day by day. The difficulty and the trouble that you will face tomorrow, let them worry about themselves. But don't forget that with new trouble and new difficulty comes new mercy and new grace. Now, if you're like me, I pause and I go, God, why has it got to be like this? It would be much easier, Lord, if you could just work a miracle in me, not just that you take my heart of stone and remove it and give me a heart of flesh like Ezekiel 37, not just that I have been born again into a, a new and living hope like 1 Peter 1, 3. Not that I've been buried with Christ and risen to new life like Romans 6. Lord, why can't you just make it to where I am just sinless from here on out? Why can't you just make it that I don't have to worry about with the struggles of this life from here on out? He could do it if he wanted to, right? Because in Revelation we learn that there's a day coming where God's going to make all things new. Where there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more death, no more sickness. So, so my question is like, God, why not do that for us now? And the answer is, because this is how I designed you, right? He doesn't give us the full answer of why he does everything he does. But one of the reasons that he does this, I think we find in verse 7. We just went over this, we just read it together, but he says, we have this treasure, right? This is the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. The truth of the gospel that has shone into our hearts. This is the treasure that Paul's talking about in verse 7. He says it's in jars of clay, earthen vessels, cracked pots. And the reason why this treasure is in jars of clay and not in a pristine gold case or a silver laden treasure chest is because so that the extraordinary power of the gospel and not ourselves can be known to be from God and not from who? Us. Brothers and sisters, if God made everything perfect in our lives and everything to be where we had no more trouble, no more sin, I think that we would forget where our grace comes from. I think we would forget where our true power lies. And Paul says, the power to change a person's life the power to sustain you and me in the Christian life comes not from ourselves, but from God. Therefore, we must go to Him day in and day out for renewal. 
We need His mercy. We need His grace every single day. It would be nice if our hearts... It would be nice if our hearts were like a water hose hooked up to your house, right? And you just turn on the spigot and water just comes out as long as the city keeps sending you water and as long as you keep paying the bill, right? It would be nice that if our hearts were just like that water hose, just overflowing with water. But they're not. Instead, our hearts are more like a water bottle. They have a limited amount of water. And when you dump it all out, or when you drink it all, what do you need? A refill. And every single day, it's dumped out. Whether it's the pressures of this life, whether it's the attacks of the enemy, whether it's just our own fallen and sinful nature, our water is, at the end of the day, empty. And that next morning, we need it refilled day after day. So that's one. That's one way in which we cannot. That's one way in which we can not give up. Right? We do not lose heart because day after day we go to God to be renewed. Real quickly, how do we get renewed? How do we get renewed? I think that's a fair question to ask. Right? We're being renewed day in and day out. How do we get renewed? This word here, renewed, in the in in, in Greek is only used, this verb here, is only used one other time by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. So I think, it's, I think it's fair for us to go to that other time to see how he uses it and maybe glean from what he means by this word of renewed. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians 3.10. Colossians 3.10. Starting in verse 9, we'll get to 10 to kind of give you the context. But look what Paul says. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new. For you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your Creator. You and I, brothers and sisters in Christ, are being renewed in knowledge. In other words, our hearts are renewed in part day after day because our, not, our minds inform our hearts of what God is doing in our lives. Our hearts are shaped and are molded often by what our mind chooses to focus on. Let me say that again. Our hearts are shaped and molded oftentimes by what our minds choose to focus on. If our hearts want to be renewed, we've got to get some knowledge about who God is. We've got to get some renewing knowledge of who God is and His and, and our Creator. Now, I want to be very careful here not to miss... Um, misrepresent what I think Paul's doing. Okay? I don't think Paul's saying everyone needs to go to seminary. 
I don't think he's saying everyone needs a Bible college degree. I don't think he's saying that everyone needs to have all of life's answered and all of the Bible's difficult questions figured out. And that if you just learn more, right, you'll never be discouraged. I don't think that's what he's saying. I think what he's saying is, is that our hearts are deeply affected by where our eyes look and by what our minds think upon. If you want your heart to sing with confidence that you are loved and cared for, then you look to the text and you look at all the promises of God and you look at all the things that God is for you in Christ Jesus. And you look at verses one, four, chapter 4, verses 1 through 15, and you look at all the different ways of why we don't have to give up. And you believe them. And as you believe them day after day, your heart will be renewed as your mind is being transformed by the gospel and by God's word. Our minds are bombarded every single day by advertising, by messaging, by social media, by the news that we watch, right? By the conversations that we have with our coworkers, by the music that we listen to. One of my favorite things when I was in youth ministry, sorry not to pick on the youth, but one of the, my favorite things that I would like to do just to kind of show them how much they're affected by the outside culture was as I would figure out, and now I'm not very cool, so I always had to Google this, but I would always go and look at like what the best song was or like the top five song was, you know, at that time, especially with teens. And you go and you look and you look up the lyrics, right? And then at youth group, you say, okay, how hard is it to memorize different things? Or how, how, how are you being affected by the culture? And then you just ask them, okay, finish the lyrics of this most popular song. And nine times out of ten, all of the students there, they could, without the drop of a hat, do what? Finish the lyrics of that song, right? And sometimes they were a little embarrassed that the song wasn't very nice. But then you might go to a very popular Bible verse and you start saying that and you ask them, okay, now finish the, the, the Bible verse that we're saying here. And every once in a while, a few of them could just like that, knock it right out. But you could definitely tell that there was some that they would start real good and then they get towards the end, you know, the tough part, and their voices got a little bit quieter, right? Brothers and sisters, be aware that what you intake and what you consume, whether it's implicitly or explicitly, whether it's by uh, passive consuming it or actively consuming it, that it is affecting your mind and that your mind affects your heart. And so if you don't want to lose hope, if you don't want to lose heart, be renewed in the knowledge of your mind. Be renewed in the image of your creator. The second, the second how-to, right? Paul says the second way in which we don't lose heart is this. We must shift our perspective from the material to the eternal. We must shift our perspective from the material to the eternal. Now, by material, I don't mean anything bad by that, right? 
I just mean by things that we can see, by things that we can touch and we can feel, by things that we can hear. Because verse 17 is a difficult verse that we're going to have to digest here in a second. But Paul says if we're going to digest it properly, our perspective on life is going to have to shift by by looking at things material, and it's going to have to shift to looking at things eternal. And he gives us two two different ways of this is going to happen, okay? You ever had a life-changing event in which your perspective on things changed? Live long enough and it'll happen. Love people enough and be around them enough and it'll happen. There's been many things in my life that have changed my perspective or altered how I view things. Or made me realize that maybe I don't have it quite as bad to stick in my mind. They are seared into my brain. Two of them. I'll share them with you real quick. One, 16 years old, high school baseball. I used to be quite the baseball player, quite the athlete. Played a couple years in college. In my sophomore year, we were the second seeded team in our district tournament. And we were playing a team that we had beaten twice before, and one time we run-ruled them. You don't have to remember any of that. This is just setting up for perspective. But that Saturday morning, can remember it like it happened yesterday, that Saturday morning, our ace pitcher didn't have his best fastball, and we didn't play very well in defense behind him, and we end up getting beat by one run, four to three, no, no I'm sorry, five to four. Five to four by a team that we had ten run ruled two weeks before that. And as an emotional and very, very competitive teenager, I thought that life was over. I've never been, I mean, I probably have, but I mean, at that time I had never been so disappointed and so angry. And after the game... We're packing our bags up, and I'm not talking to anyone. I'm, you know, just furious, and I'm just headed to the car. My friend Derek comes from across the parking lot, and Derek is two years older than I am, and he doesn't have a hair on his body because Derek at the time was fighting a very rare and aggressive form of bone cancer. And Derek moved very slow because he had to have his femur bone removed when he was 15 and replaced with a metal rod so that he could walk. And I didn't realize it then, but God did something in my heart to remind me that there is much more to life than baseball. I wish that I was, I wish I could tell you that that snapped me into reality forever, but it did not. But just telling that story again reminds me. The second thing that shifted my perspective happened just a few years ago. My wife and I, Erin A., she's not here. Uh, she turned 30 on Thursday. I should have led with this. She turned 30 on Thursday. And so... 
uh, her two sisters and her mom, they took her to uh, New York to see a, a Broadway play for the first time. And so they're flying back. They're flying back this morning. They saw a Broadway play. And uh, my wife texted me after the play and said that she was born to live in New York. So um, I don't know what that's going to mean for us. But, um, but a few years ago, my wife and I decided to... Um, sponsor through Compassion International a child in Africa. Many of you are probably familiar with this. And when you sponsor a child for the first time, we still sponsor little Myrui today. When you sponsor a child for the first time, you send them a packet of information, kind of telling you, telling them everything about you, and they send you a package telling you everything about them. And we're reading through this little package, and Marui at the time I think was five years old. I think she turns 10 this year, which is crazy to think about. Time flying. But, but she sent us a thing, and it says, you know, her favorite color is this, and her, her favorite thing to do is this, and it gets to her favorite food. And I'll never forget this. Her favorite food was this, rice with rice. You know why? Because rice with rice is all she ever eats. I love rice. I love rice with eggs. I make my own stir fry at home with broccoli, peppers, maybe throw zucchini in there. If we're splurging, we'll cut up a steak and split it as a family. But I don't ever come home from work and say, I can't wait to have rice with rice. Perspective. The Lord uses a variety of things in our lives. I know that the Lord has done things in your lives and He's allowed circumstances to happen to you to change your perspective. And Paul says in our text this morning that you, dear Christian, if you're not going to lose heart, I've got to tell you some hard truths. And one of those hard truths is you've got to shift your perspective. You've got to stop looking at the things right in front of you, the things seen, the things that you can touch and hold and smell and hear. And you've got to start focusing on these unseen things. You've got to stop with the material and start focusing on the eternal. Verse 17, Paul says this. For our light momentary affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Look at what Paul does here. And we're almost done, I promise. Look what Paul does here. Paul says... That his, and he's going to include us in this, but just think about this from Paul's perspective. Paul has spent most of his adult life traveling from city to city and town to town preaching the gospel to people that hate him. To people that have actively tried to kidnap him, to beat him, to arrest him, to spread false rumors about him. He's been shipwrecked. He says in Philippians that he's been hungry, he's been cold, he's been beaten, and we know from church history that eventually he's going to be beheaded. And yet, in light of all of that, Paul can say 
This affliction that I've endured over the many years is not only momentary, it's light. In comparison to the glory and the weight of that glory that I am going to receive. Paul wants our perspective to shift, brothers and sisters. If we're not going to lose heart, we've got to shift our perspective from the material to the eternal. But there's more in verse 17. This verb here, he says, the momentary light affliction is producing for us this glory. Now, that is a profound statement. Here's why. It would be just, it would be good, right? It would be good for us to hear something like this. Our light momentary affliction will result in glory for eternity, right? That, that the suffering that we're undergoing here and now, that it stinks and it's no fun and it's going to be difficult, But after that's over, we get glory, right? But that's not what Paul says here. Look at this word, produces. This word in Greek, it means to cause to bring about. It is the active thing that is bringing what's coming next. So in other words, Paul can say, my light momentary affliction, it is doing something in my life. It's not meaningless. And so your suffering and my suffering, brothers and sisters, is never meaningless. Now, if you're like me today, that might be hard to hear. Because I don't know any of your guys' situation. I don't know anything that you you guys might be thinking in your minds right now. Preacher, you don't know what I've been through. Or preacher, you don't know what my loved one has been through. Or you don't know what my coworker or my spouse or my mom or my dad or my, or my grandchildren have been through. How can you say that suffering isn't meaningless? And my answer would be because... That's what Paul says. That's what God's word inspired through the Apostle Paul tells us. He doesn't say that we're always going to understand it, right? He doesn't say that we're going to see what God is doing in our difficulty and our pain every single time. Goodness, wouldn't that be nice? It would be great that if God just sent us a, a text message or, or a DM that just said, Hey, this next season of life, it's going to be really brutal, but here's what I'm doing. Right? I love John Piper. He says, God is doing 10,000 things in your life, and you might be aware of three of them. But Paul says... That this light, momentary affliction is producing for us. It is causing to bring about an incomparable, eternal weight of glory. 
So whatever trial you're going through, whatever difficulty you've been faced with, whatever pain, whatever suffering, whatever heartache, I don't care if it's somebody making fun of you at school or at work or if it's a medical diagnosis that you're not sure the person you love is going to survive. It's not meaningless, brothers and sisters. Your pain, your misery, your suffering, my pain, my misery, my suffering. It is never meaningless if we are in Christ. Because God is working in every single moment, in every single season of your life, in the middle of that pain, is going to bring about an absolutely incomparable, eternal weight of glory. And so Paul says, Beloved, we do not focus We do not look to what our eyes can see, right? He's being paradoxical here on purpose, right? He says, don't look to what is seen, but what is unseen. And we say, Paul, you can only look at things that are seen, right? I can't look at something I can't see. That doesn't make any sense, Paul. But you get what he's saying. When you lose your job... When the doctor says it's cancer, when your child abandons the faith, when your mom dies, when your dad dies, don't look to what is seen, but look to what is unseen, brothers and sisters. For what is seen, Paul says, is merely temporary. It's transient. It's here one day and gone tomorrow. That's what James says about our lives. Our lives are like mist. They're here and then they're gone. Don't focus on what is seen, which is temporary, but focus on what is unseen, which is eternal. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray, Lord God, that we would not lose heart. Lord, I pray for every single person in this room right now. And maybe, Lord, they're thinking about giving up. Maybe they're thinking about leaving the faith. Maybe they're thinking about giving up on life as it is. And Lord, I don't know what everyone here has been through or what they're going through or what they even will go through, but I know that your word is true. And I know that every morning you have made mercies available to your beloved. And that because we have had the light of the gospel shown into our hearts, you offer us grace every single day. And so, Lord, may we take these truths And day after day, may we read them in your word. And may we experience them with our heart. And may we, may we sing them in the songs that we sing. Until not only our mind, but our hearts are convinced that you care for us day after day.
May your spirit do a work in us until this is true. It's in, his, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.